we're looking at the paranormal today on On The Edge with Andrew Gold. I'll be talking to Jim Harold, who is like the guy. He's the guy from around the world who does the paranormal. I mean, he's, he does the paranormal podcast. That's his podcast. He's also got Jim Harold's Campfire and all sorts of different projects. But go look those ones up if you're interested in what Jim has to say today. That's Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast. I've been on the Paranormal Podcast. It was about two years ago to talk about exorcism for the BBC. But he's all into UFOs, ghost stories, cryptids, and more. I don't believe in pretty much anything from the paranormal. And I know people say I'm closed-minded when I say that, but I just need some evidence. What was that? Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. That was Carl Sagan who said that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I've just not seen it. However, a lot of viewers, a lot of listeners are really into that stuff who do believe in it. Nothing wrong with that. I want to know why you believe in it. Get in touch and let me know on Twitter and Instagram. Sign up on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Andrew Gold. That's always really helpful. Keeps the podcast going. And check out the YouTube page because I've got loads of different things on there. Little clips, things where I analyze different videos and things like that going on so it's like the audio podcast but extra bits on top of that and of course it's all in video hd and all that stuff got lots of big episodes coming up on the podcast we're going to hear about erin smith levin's growing up in scientology we're going to look at wrongful conviction some of the big cases with jason flom we're going to be looking at the great reset whatever that might be with dave whitehead atheism with emma thorne i could go on and on i've got months of this stuff or at least weeks of it but now you're on the edge of the paranormal with jim Harold. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Good. How are you, Andrew? Nice to talk to you again. Okay. Good to talk to you. I was going to say, do you remember when you had me on your podcast? I sure did. I sure did. I got the uh, note from your producer that you were going to be doing the interview. And I said, oh, I know, Andrew. So good to speak with you. Oh, it was good. That was all about exorcism, and we were on your podcast. Tell me a bit. Have you got like, what is it? Two or th- how many podcasts do you have? Different podcasts. Well, I actually kind of lose count. Uh, <laughs> I have, <laughs> I have two primary ones that I do, two that I produce, uh, and, and then I have a few premium podcasts. But the two main shows I do are Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast. Paranormal podcast I've been doing since 05, and that's basically me interviewing people about the supernatural, UFOs, ghosts, cryptic creatures, whatever it might be. And then Jim Harold's Campfire, which is probably my most popular, and that's just where regular folks call in and they share strange things that have happened to them. And boy, there are a lot of them. A lot of strange things have happened to a lot of people over the years, and it's my honor to get to field some of those calls. What first got you into the paranormal? And I want to ask a double question here, because well, what what is it that gets us all into the paranormal while we're all attracted to it? Well, um, I'll, I'll start with the general, then to the specific. I, I think that the reason that most people have some, at least some passing interest in this, even people who consider themselves skeptics, which I'm cool with, hey, whatever floats your boat, um, but... I think that it's because we all sense there's something more than just what is seen, that there is a great unseen. And I always say almost everybody has had some kind of experience. You know, I'll talk to somebody and I'll say, I do this show called Campfire. It's about uh, spooky stuff. And people call in and they're like, I don't believe in any of this stuff. But let me tell you about this one story that happened to me. And then they proceed to tell their story. Um, So I just think it's part of the human condition. Why do we 
you know, why do we turn our heads when there's a car wreck? That's not a nice thing to do. It's kind of human nature. Why do we like roller coasters? We like to be scared. Why do we like the paranormal? Because we sense there's something more. For me, it goes back to when I was a very, very, very young child. I must stress that. Back in the 70s, uh, going to grade school, I watched a show called In Search Of by Leonard Nimoy. And he talked about all these different uh, mysteries. And it really started there. It, it never stopped. I ended up working in broadcasting behind the scenes in the business side. I always wanted to get in front of the mic because that's what I'd gone to school for. 2005, I said, I want to do a podcast. I heard about this new thing. What am I going to do it on? Well, what fascinates me and I don't see out there? And it was the paranormal and it's kind of off to the races since then. Wow. Do you have moments of, of doubt? Are you uh, <clears throat> ever uncertain? I may be uncertain about one specific thing, for example. Like I might one day say, well, UFOs, ah, they're probably just military experiments or they're just hoaxers or whatever it might be. But I always come to that place where I think there's something to it. So in general, I may periodically be a little skeptical about one particular thing, depending on my mood. Uh, but overall, I believe something is going on. Now, I'll give you one that I'm kind of skeptical about. Uh, we talk about Bigfoot, and it's one of those that kind of, Andrew, it depends on the day. You know, I mm. I kind of believe that there is such a thing as Bigfoot on one day when I look at that film from 1967, the Patterson-Gimlin film, and they've done great work stabilizing that. It's like, boy, that looks like a person. Then the next day you'll ask me, and I'll say, well, they've never found a body. They've never found DNA. So maybe there isn't such a thing as Bigfoot. So I waver a little bit, but in general, doing these shows has increased my belief, not faith, but belief that there is more to life. Uh, now, what that is, I'm actually more confused than ever, but I do believe there is something going on, most decidedly. And when people call in, how do you, do you believe most of them, most of the stories, and, and what kind of stories are people telling? Well, I will say this. I believe that the vast majority of people are being sincere. You can occasionally tell when people are pulling your leg, you know, uh, and uh, a few of those stories we haven't aired. But I air the vast majority of stories because I do believe the vast majority of people are being very sincere. Now, does that mean that every drippy faucet is a ghost or every, you know, uh, like paranormal investigators, which I am not one, I never claim to be, carry around EMF meters? Well, maybe sometimes that's just bad electrical. Maybe it's not mm. picking up on, <laughs> on a ghost. So uh, I like to keep an open mind, uh, not so my brains fall out. But in general, I come from a place of belief on the show. And I also try to be very supportive of our guests who tell their stories um, in the sense that they're being very vulnerable. They're mm. saying that we are going to tell a story. And I think you you should be understanding and you've invited them in to share their story. I'm not going to do a, uh, uh, you know, uh, American journalist, Mike Wallace type thing on him where I'm kind of, you know, peppering them with uh, kind of cross examination. Yeah. Uh, so I try to be very accepting of their stories. And for the vast majority, I believe they have experienced them. And in some, I really believe they've experienced something. Now, in terms of the types of stories, there's everything from shadow people, which I hear a lot of doppelgangers I'm hearing a lot oh. of these days, which I never realized that was a paranormal thing, but it appears to happen to people. I've had 
ghosts, of course, UFO sightings, cryptid sightings. So really, it kind of spans the, the gamut, and there's always something new and something I haven't heard before, even after doing that show for the last 13 years uh, and hearing thousands of stories. There's always something new, like, oh, I haven't heard one like that. Do you... Um I, I suppose actually what you're saying is why you're such a successful presenter because you have a, a healthy dose of skepticism that people feel like they're in good hands with you that you're going to sort of look at things but you're also you're not going to uh, make people feel bad about what they might come out with and uh, you're going to accept uh, accept them. Um, do, do you have the notion of um, eyes open and eyes closed? I remember I was speaking to somebody who was investigating psychics and they said some psychics well, this person didn't believe in, in psychic ability. So they said, psychics are the eyes open. That means that they know that they are fooling people uh, or eyes closed. They don't realize. Or, or, or that. So, so, so sometimes when people call you, you know, you're saying you're not sure if, you know, I mean, it seems like they believe they've seen it, but, may, but maybe, they, maybe they didn't sort of a trick of the light or something. Well, I think that's always a possibility that somebody's mistaken. Um, I'm not there for the stories. I mean, I'm not there when the stories occur. I didn't see what they see. I rely on their their description of it. But many of these things I absolutely believe in 100%. People talk about getting messages from loved ones. I believe that is a real thing. Ghosts, I believe that's a real thing. Now, there's a question if that is, you know, the when you see, for example, uh, an apparition of sorts, is that some kind of energetic imprint on the, the the place. Is that sentient? I don't know the answer to that, but I do believe they do exist. Now, it's always possible somebody is mistaken, but as I said, I think the vast majority of people are sincere. So it's one of those things where, for the great majority of people, I don't believe they're calling in and saying, oh, let's pull one on Jim and the audience. I believe they've experienced something, and I think many times they have. Yeah. Are there are parts now, I mean, as we get more into science and uh, quantum mechanics and simulation theory, I think you've spoken about before, mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, science and the paranormal can coexist. Is that is that an area of interest for you? Very much so, because I make this point, Andrew, you know, first of all, people will say, you believe in this stuff and you don't respect science. Nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, you're a journalist, you know, Back in the day, you know, in the 1980s in America, we had a show called Nightline where they did something very similar to this. And it took a satellite and it took a crew of 500 people or how many people to now we're doing it over the Internet. Boom, boom, boom. Very easy, very simple. Point is, is that that's because of science. Whether you're talking about medical developments, that's because of science. So there couldn't be a greater respecter of science than me. But I do think sometimes mainstream scientists, like in other fields of endeavor, have blind spots. And they're locked into their way of thinking about something. And they say, no, it can't be. It just can't be. And I think that's wrong. I, I, I think whether you're talking about religion, politics, science, philosophy, wherever people get locked into their beliefs and their, they filter things out that don't fit, you know, straight down the line. And I think that does happen with science sometimes. But I am glad to see that there are people who are trying to bridge that gap. And maybe the scientists need to become a little more open-minded. Maybe the true believers need to become a little bit more skeptical. And maybe we can meet somewhere in the middle. I got to interview um, Dr. Michael Shermer. Oh, yeah, me was, too. Yeah. Awesome. He was an awesome guy. 
I enjoyed speaking with him. And one thing I appreciated mm-hmm. about him is, you know, he wasn't saying you're stupid. We were disagreeing, but he was being very, um, you know, gentlemanly about it. So yeah. I, I really appreciated that. But the thing he said was, and this is what I didn't get. He said something, and this is paraphrasing, but he said, you know, I, I said, well, Dr. Shermer, we may agree in many cases. You know, for example, UFOs. There might be many times there's unfortunately hoaxers. Sometimes, of course, it's military uh, experimentation, of course. And then other times it's people looking up the sky and seeing a planet or a star and mistaking it for something. I agree. And that may even be the majority of cases. But what about that few percent where we can't explain any of that? And it's still open and we can't figure out what it is because all of those things have been pretty much ruled out. He said, well, we know that exists, but we just put that up on the shelf. And I'm like, what? (laughs) We need to take that down off the shelf and examine (laughs) that sort of thing. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think there's room for people of goodwill, both more on the skeptical side and more on the belief side, to try to meet in the middle to try to figure some of these things out. You wouldn't probably have uh, such a good conversation with Neil deGrasse Tyson. No, I no, I thought about that. He would just, <laughs> and probably would succeed. He's excellent at what he does. He's uh, an excellent debunker. He's very good verbally with what he does. Uh, I got frustrated but, by him. I got really... Well, I'm sorry. He's tremendously intelligent. There's no one I think that can debate that. He's extremely well-spoken. He's a great TV personality and TV presenter, but his mind's totally closed, period. Mm. It's like, I believe what I believe, and you're wrong because of science. And I can always say I'm right a hundred times because science. And... You know, but he I, talks nonsense as well. He goes yeah. off science. He goes completely off piece. I don't usually criticize people sort of publicly on this, but he really wound me up watching him on Rogan and on Michael Shermer because he said to Michael Shermer, whereas you said that Michael Shermer was disagreeing with you but was very gracious and, and he said to, when he disagreed with Michael Shermer, he said, uh, you're an old man on a porch right now. And he was just ad hominem attacks. And there's yeah. a great book um, by David Robson, a, writer, a British writer called David Robson called The Intelligence Trap about how, um, how a more intelligent people are actually more likely to uh, go off on the wrong track because they're so intelligent that they're able to use their minds to convince themselves of certain routes and things you know so they've really they've really taken the 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 um the the perfect example was Arthur Conan Doyle, who wrote uh, Sherlock Holmes, who believed in fairies, and he believed in fairies because mm-hmm. uh, some people had, some kids had done like a fake right. thing. They p- posted a Coddington, picture of a fairy. Was the Coddington ther- uh, fairies? Am I remembering? It might correctly? have been. Yeah, might have been that. Yeah. So I totally agree with you that sometimes the most intelligent people and the most, I mean, the real intelligence, I guess, is being able to step back and say, we don't know anything. But what do we know, Jim, about Skinwalker Ranch? That's my segue into Skinwalker Ranch. You know, I am not the uh, expert on that, but I did an excellent uh, discussion, not because of me, but because of him. I spoke to Colin uh, Kelleher about it, who did a book with uh, George Knapp. And, uh, you know, the the, the ideas that people were doing... um, were doing research at Skidmarker Ranch, and then they would come back to their homes and they would see paranormal activity at their homes. And um, and that's just one of the strange things that happened around Skidmarker Ranch. And, and to me, that kind of thing hints at the idea that there might be this kind of like I used to, when I used to watch that show in search of, I used to think, okay, UFOs are aliens. Ghosts are dead people. Bigfoot is an animal. 
you know, very siloed kind of thinking. And a place where Skinwalker Ranch, where you see the coincidence of these kind of things, UFO sightings, people having this hitchhiker effect, they're doing research there, they come back home, <laughs> them and their family both start seeing paranormal visions. Maybe there's a couple things at play here. Sometimes I wonder if you look at the work of John Keel and people like that, there might be a trickster element to all of this, a trickster element to the supernatural. You know, the old thing, if you look into the abyss, it looks back. And, and that something's messing with us, right? Huh. And the other idea that these things may be connected. Now, this sounds really out there, but Stan Gordon in the American state of Pennsylvania has done a lot of research on the coincidence of Bigfoot sightings where there are UFOs. Now, that doesn't, on the face of it, make a lot of, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But I do wonder if there's some interplay about these different kind of silos of activity that are somehow linked together, and Skimwalker Ranch is uh, a possible, uh, possible example of that. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? the internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn dot com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
I wonder, again, just my sort of sceptical mind, if that might just be to do with, you know, I, I suppose there are more UFO spottings in the countryside, pro rata, no, just where there's less. Is that, that's is that fair. fair? No, I yeah. think that's fair as a possibility. I'm not saying it's correct, but I think that's fair as a possibility. And I think you almost have to be, I think even if you, even if you're default, because if you look at me, for example, I am probably, let's say that I'm a petrol gauge, I'm a gas gauge. I'm about three quarters full for belief. Okay, I'm not over on the one side where I believe everything, but I, in general, I lean towards belief. But sometimes you got to step back and say, you know, Andrew's got a good point. That makes all the sense in the world. I think that's what we need to do on both sides. Hmm, I think so, too. To explain to just any viewers who don't know about um, Skinwalker Ranch, what, what is it that's so scary about it? And what is it that, that, uh, that has taken the imagination so much? Well, I think it's because it's this place where just weird things start to happen. These UFO sightings, these cryptid sightings, all these different things. And these are the kind of vortexes that get people's uh, uh, juices flowing. Um, uh, you know, thoughts about government experimentation and those kind of things and speculation along those lines. Um, I had an interesting conversation with uh, Bill Burns, William Burns, who used to do a, a TV show for the History Channel. And it was all about UFOs. I can't recall the name of it. But he told me he dug into Dulcie Base, which uh, has a lot of weird undertones of possible experimentation and those kind of things. And he claimed um, he claimed that actually his show was taken off the air after he delved into Dulcie Base. <laughs> oh um that was his claim, not mine. That's that's what he said. So, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I tend not to be a conspiratorial person, but, you know, there's some thought that uh, our government may be covering up more than they actually, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, they know a lot more than, than they're letting on. So uh, it's, uh, it's interesting to think about. It's interesting to think about how these things could work along with the government. Is the government involved in these things, so forth and so on? Yeah, it's a tough one then, isn't it? Because then is it, it, are we talking paranormal? Are we talking government conspiracy? Or are we talking some sort of science quantum thing going on at the ranch, you know? Yeah, I actually had, um, I spoke to Jesse Marcel Jr., whose father, mm -hmm. Jesse Marcel Sr., was the person who was, one of the first military people on scene at the Roswell crash. And Jesse Marcel Jr. served, as he, he's passed since, but he served in multiple um, branches of the U.S. military. He was uh, a physician, by all accounts, a very kind of stand-up guy who told me that he had been ushered down into the bowels of, like, underground D.C. in the Capitol and told that there was a shadow government. Now, again, he would strike me as the kind of guy I would believe. I'm not a conspiracy guy, so I have a lot of time, a uh, hard time believing that there's a shadow government. But it does give one pause. It does make one think. Yeah, it's exciting to think about, I think. And we have to be conspiratorial. As, as Michael, it was Michael Shermer who said to me, uh, in, in the tribes that we grew up in as we evolved in, uh, if you heard a rustling in a bush, 
if you were conspiratorial, you were more likely to survive and pass on your genes or your culture or whatever, because you'd think it might be a snake. If you're not conspiratorial minded, you'd be like, oh, that's the wind. The wind's always there. And, you know, then the snake gets you. That's so, a good point. That's a good point. Mm, it's good to be conspiratorial to an extent. Did we? I've just seen the question. I didn't pop that up. Is that? Did we, have we answered that? A Nexus, does Jim have an opinion on whether or not alien craft, uh, an, an alien craft under the plateau well, I hate to say I don't have opinion on that. I don't feel that I'm educated enough about Skinwalker Ranch to to give an opinion on that. We'd have to go there. <laughs> next next time, <laughs> Jim and Andrew's trip to Skinwalker Ranch. That would be, well, uh, yeah, that would get a lot of views on YouTube, especially I since think, you're on it. <laughs> I think, uh, no, especially because you're on it, you know. I haven't, I mean, we spoke about my exorcist guy, didn't we? That was what that was. And I don't yes. believe in exorcism. But I think even mm -hmm. people who do believe in exorcism don't believe this particular guy because he was just, um, he was clearly just trying to fool people and, and that kind of thing. And, and that's the tough thing because I, I really believe, um, you were talking about psychics earlier. I, I tend to believe some people have psychic gifts. I also believe there's charlatans out there. So that's yeah. the, I'm, you know, to some extent, any endeavor, human endeavor is tough because it's a thing where, you know, there's good car mechanics, there's bad mark, uh, car mechanics. I was talking to a psychic one time and he did make the point, yeah, there, there's there's good radio and podcast personalities and there's not so good ones. So I, I think that those people are out there that try to take advantage of people. And I think that's a real shame uh, and they mm. should be ashamed of themselves. I, I personally believe that there are people with psychic abilities. I personally have the psychic ability of a board. So, <laughs> so of, of a, board. a board, what does that mean? <laughs> that means none. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> a, a plank. Uh, yeah. I have no psychic abilities, nor do I, do I, you know, purport as such. And that's something I'm very careful on the show. You know, I've had people say, you know, well, um, this has happened to me and that's happened to me. What should I do? And it's like, I don't know. I just ask the questions. I mean, I, I, you know, if there's somebody who I think is reputable, I could point them in the direction of, I'm glad to do it. But, but um, again, uh, I, I just like everybody else, I just want to try to find some answers. They're hard to find. I don't know if I ever will. I, when I first started Android, I thought six months, I'll have this all figured out. Not so much. <laughs> It's so hard. I mean, it, look, nothing worth knowing can be figured out in six that's months. Right. I suppose that's the, the thing to figure out, isn't it? I guess it's. I get the same thing. I mean, my my channel is more about um, cults and things like that, so Scientology and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I get the same thing of people emailing, like, you know, I've just left this cult. What shall I do? And I've got all this, and I'm not. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm just the and journalist. I I'm just. A, I wish I yeah. could give people the answer. I mean, I feel badly. It's and I've never presented myself that way. And I'm not. For example, I'm not paranormal investigator. It's not because I'm lazy. It's because, honestly, I think when you're doing this kind of thing, it's good to keep at arm's length. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, I compare it to if you watch sports broadcasts here in the States, a lot of our American football players, and I'm sure it's for real football over in the UK, it's the same. A lot of the the commentators have become for, their former players. Yes. But I think in a way, that's good in a way. It's good to get their perspective, but it's also good to have the guy who never played because you get kind of an outside perspective. And that's kind of the way that I look at it. I'm not psychic. I'm not an investigator. I'm somebody like you. I'm from the outside trying to understand this stuff and bring you along you're, in that journey. You're the proxy through which we delve into the paranormal. One of them. But one what, of them. what did you say? 
I said one oh, of I, them, <laughs> not the only one. Of, one. <laughs> one of the coolest ones. So tell me, um, what is what? I mean, do you have do you have a scariest or most exciting or or dangerous experience that you've encountered in your life? I've not uh, had a scary experience. I've had strange experiences, but they're more subtle. Can I quickly tell you my favorite campfire story we've ever gotten? Because I think it's way more exciting. Yeah, please do. Go okay. on. This is called the Roadhouse Saloon. Believe it or not, and I'll get try to get it within our time window here. This was our caller TI in the American state of um, she was in Wisconsin at the time. She was going with a friend to see a band at a bar. They stayed until about two o'clock in the morning is when American bars traditionally close. So anyway, she's going back. It's about an hour to a camp she's staying at with her family. And um, she gets halfway there. It's about an hour drive, rural area, totally dark. And her friend Bob is driving and says, Bob, I've got to use the restroom. And Bob says, well, there's not much here. You could pull up a bush if you want to and use that. And she said, no, 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 no. I will just uh, go ahead and, uh, and drive fast. So anyway, a few months later, they come up on this saloon, this bar that's wide open, which is like against the law over here, usually after two o'clock. Lights are on, cars are in, neon sign, joints jumping. I thought, well, this makes no sense, but let's go in anyway. So they go in. He gets a drink from the bar. She goes to the restroom and comes back. Uh, Bob says, I'm so glad we came here because you see that big old West mural with cowboys and so forth on it. I've always wanted to see this and I've heard about it. And uh, they were talking and they're looking at, they knows every person depicted in that painting is in the bar. Uh, there's uh, some guys uh, playing cards in the uh, in the mural they're sitting over there they're playing on a pool table so forth and so uh. so it was kind of weird and then they have this old time Wolitzer bubbler jukebox that had real records on it which was pretty uncommon at that time when the story happened and some guy puts on chubby checkers let's twist again comes over asks T.I. to dance he smiles his teeth are rotten <laughs> and T.I. says no thank you I don't want to dance and holds up a cane because she uses a cane. She said she's glad she had that. That comes back into the story in a minute. So anyway, they keep sitting there. The people are weird. They're kind of smiling and, you know, there's a big strapping guy behind the bar, attending uh, bar. So anyway, they, they keep talking, kind of weirded out by this place a little. And they notice in the mural, they didn't notice before, there's the swinging doors like you see in American Westerns. And they didn't notice this before, but there were two misty columns in the doorway. And they talk a little more. They talk a little more. They look back. Further developed are these two misty columns, one shorter, one's taller. They talk some more, talk some more. Look back. And they've, like an old-time Polaroid picture, have turned into the picture almost of two people, a man and a woman. And they look more closely. The woman has uh, boots. T.I. has boots. The woman has curly hair. T.I. has curly hair. And the woman has a cane. And T.I. has a cane. And the significantly taller man looks like Bob. So at that point, they decide something very strange is happening here. Yeah. We are leaving. So they said they got out. They started to leave. And the, these people quietly, they didn't say anything, but they kind of smiled and 
waved them, tried to wave them back. They said, no, we're not coming back. They closed the door. Everything went pitch black. When they look out to the parking lot, they're not cars. There's one car, their car. And the place looks totally closed. So they, they get out. And that's kind of weird. That's, that's very weird. But it gets weirder, Andrew. A couple days later, she comes back um, with her sister, I think. It's about 8 o'clock at night. She doesn't wait till 2 o'clock in the morning. She goes in. There's a young lady tending bar. There is the mural there, the same mural. No misty figures in the doorway. Talks to young lady, says, oh, I was here the other night. You know, there was that big, good-looking, young, strapping bartender. And she's like, wait a minute. I'm the only one that tends bar here other than my elderly father. And then T, I thought, oh, wow. She said, well, let me go check out the jukebox. Jukebox was not one of those fancy Wurlitzer jukeboxes. It was a modern jukebox with CDs. And with that, T.I. said, I've had enough. I'm leaving. And the funny thing is, Andrew, the place really exists. I have pictures. I have an author that's been on my shows who went there and took pictures and sent them to me. And it really does exist. It was open pre-pandemic. I don't know if it's still opened, but it's in Wisconsin, the Roadhouse Saloon. The place really exists. So that's wow. my favorite campfire story. It's out what there, story. I know. And I've met Jim. her in person, met her in person. <laughs> she seems very believable. You had us engrossed, Jim. What a, a brilliant story, beautifully told. We're running low on time. You've timed it per to perfection as well. Quickly tell us where people can go and get your stuff jimherald.com j-i-m-h-a-r-o-l-d.com just like it says there and then you can find the shows on the popular podcast app just search for my name and thank you so much andrew a pleasure to be part of the show oh pleasure to talk to you thank you jim thank you jim harold that was fascinating I don't believe in a lot of that stuff, but maybe you do. Maybe I should. Should I? Let me know. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Send me a message. Tell me why I'm wrong or right, whatever it might be. Do sign up to the Patreon. Do come say hello on YouTube and have a lovely week. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.